You're listening to the Welcome to the Rebellion podcast. Hey, Jay, are you ready? Because it's time to start the show. I'm ready. I'm ready. I hope everybody's ready on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday. I have an amazing guest. Um, someone that uh, I can't believe is going to grace my presence here on this podcast. I played a little teaser clip because there was a time where she was like, I've never seen this man. I've never seen this man. It was a great clip. Everybody sent it to me. Um, could you please welcome the world infamous Mayor, how are Hello. you? Hello. Yes, there was a time I had never <laughs> seen of you, but heard of you. Just the lore. And yes, you are <laughs> as much of a dish as Ryan and Jeremy. <laughs> oh, as them? No, nah, man. As much of a You won't settle for as much of a dish? Mm -mm. You have to be more of a dish? Everybody has their own, you know, their own thing that shines about them, you know. And for you, That's it's your right. looks, you think? <laughs> for whatever's left of them oh look at that cute <laughs> mug how cute is that uh yeah i love christmas man some people are into halloween some people are into valentine's or whatever i like christmas stuff yeah so. i feel you you can always tell what sort of a mental illness a girl has by what holiday she's really into like <laughs> the girl's really into valentine's day what like that chick wants to be married yesterday uh if a girl <laughs> is really into halloween that bitch will key your car if you have a disagreement you know what i mean like she will come out she has a voodoo doll of you already um i think christmas the love for christmas is a bit healthier holiday wise of course because it's, it's about giving. family yeah giving totally. um hot chocolate yes things like uh, that it's fun and uh this year we got our the bulk of our presents done so early like before december even and it felt really good it felt good to have them wrapped up Is that like, what i, happen I what love happens when we get older now it's like how fast can we get the christmas shopping done it's like becomes like a race i don't know if it's you know? speed but it feels good to outsmart uh like portions of the system or or society like 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 frank has noticed and i've noticed it too that companies like like they'll raise their prices steadily like between summer and then black friday and then black friday comes they will lower prices or they'll lower they'll raise them right before black friday and then lower them for black friday but really it's the same it's you're not saving it's just a trick to get you to buy more um so yeah we started he started buying some of his christmas presents i think like over the summer like late summer and then i started in november and it feels good because it's like you already know you know by the summer what you're going to get people you might as well not procrastinate i mean i i like i'm an amazon gift wrap guy now oh really see i have a bone to pick with amazon gift wrapping they just put it in like a drawstring oversized pouch i don't respect yeah, that but the way i wrap presents like i'm actually filming myself because like and i'm gonna try to wrap presents nice just so like people could see the the torture and the torment i go through I, I tell you, whoever like like they used to be at the mall, and I don't know if they still have it. Maybe because of the world we live in today, they used to go and they'd be like sweet little old ladies, like sitting around a table, and you could buy stuff and give it to them, and they'd wrap it, and they would they were like yes. raise money for like an orphanage or something. Yes, I've and... learned. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It, it used to be like small town values. The old lady would wrap your gifts. Um, 
I, I, I'm like, I really take pride in my rapping skills. I learned a lot of what I know just from watching gay men at Papyrus. <laughs> just sort of, you know, standing back, like, you know, putting my head against the glass uh, and just sort of observing, like pretending I'm going to buy something, but really like, oh, oh, they use double-sided tape. Like there's different levels to rapping, you know? Yeah, but I know. But see, for us, they came out with the, uh, the rapping bag. Yeah, and you just put it in, and, I mean, and you know, you put a little like tape. Amazon one. I mean, you could buy them. You could buy a bundle, and I'm like, I'm done. Poop, poop. But you, you do, know, you do okay, okay, fine. Let's say you're gonna use a gift bag. Let's say you've given up on like a proper wrapping, and not to say <laughs> I'm not shaming gift bags as a whole, because like if you if you have a square object that you're putting in a gift bag, you've given up. But like if you, I get it. If you have clothing or like stuffed animals, like books square items anything in a box you should be wrapping that shit but i get it like some things do make more sense to put into a gift bag however if you're gonna go gift bag there is a proper way to do the tissue paper because you don't want to be able to see what's inside that That's that true. bag before it's time so the actual proper way to do all right here's a tissue so let's say you have your sheet of this is tissue paper yeah. The proper way to put it in a gift bag is actually to take it, pinch it in the very middle, and then you do, uh, I don't know what it's called. I think I'm going to call it like a papyrus poof. You take it and you go, <laughs> you pull it down really fast. That way it perfectly, you know, the points perfectly stick up. And that's when you put it in the, wow, that's in the gift impressive. bag. Yeah, that way you have perfectly floofed and pointed poofs and, you know, you just stick it into the bag. And then, you know, let's say you got a bigger bag, then you oh, repeat. Nice. you repeat the process. You do maybe like two or three so that you have attractive tissue paper. All right, have you ever known that person that wrapped gifts in newspaper? Yes, that was my family. <laughs> we did that. You're like, thanks. Oh, yeah. We, You're I recycling, came, okay? I came from a long line of bad rappers. So, you know, I think it all changes with me. You know, it's you don't have to carry your toxic patterns on. You know what I mean? It stops with me. I'm going to learn how to fold and cut. And a, a lot of things people don't do, like the biggest problem or the biggest mistake, is they don't cut away their excess paper. You know, like let's say yeah. you have a box and you're wrapping this box. You don't need wrapping paper that comes like way out to here. Like you really literally just need enough to fold up and cover half of that box because then the top side will cover the other half. When you start getting so much wrapping paper, then you like, you know, you don't want to be taping it up to this side of the box. You, you should be able to fold it and tape it within the side itself. So you just have to cut off. I really should do a video. You should. <sighs> but then I get angry about it. Like when I see poorly wrapped gifts, I start to like, like twitch. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. So I'll, I'll remember that. <laughs> uh, I mean, like that. This that's a whole nother live stream. You could talk about there. There's the uh, person that wraps gifts that leaves the receipt in in case you don't want it and you need to exchange it. Person, oh, it has there's to be a gift the, uh, receipt if it is. Yeah. Uh, a Christmas outfit. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that. That you can, that you can get. Look at that! Always, wow! Is that a what is that? Okay. Christmas outfit. 
I thought that was uh, like a sloth at first before you turn it around. Oh, 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 it's Waffles. Hi, Waffles. Look, it's Jay. She, ah. bar she barks when she sees other animals on the TV. Well, I'm glad she's not barking now. Maybe you're not enough um, of an animal for her. I'm glad I'm not barking now. Well, I wanted to ask you a couple things. <laughs> Since you've had an interesting career. Yeah, it has so, been interesting. So far, you've worked here and there and everywhere. Uh, you've met a lot of interest, cool people. But uh, you're a writer. I think comedian, so. Comedian. Yeah. Uh, Podcaster. Yeah. Is that a new thing? You like doing that? Comedy stand-up I've been doing for like 10 or 11 years. I started yeah. stand-up in March of 2010. Before that, I did five years of improv. Um, before that, I had, a, in, I had a couple of internships at NBC. I thought I really wanted to be a reporter. Then I interned at Dateline. Then I was like, this is horrible. I'd rather burn in a fire. And then I got an internship at Conan while he was still in New York um, with his late night show. So then I realized, okay, comedy people are my people. I don't know in what capacity I will work in comedy, but I just felt at ease and good. And then the comedy writers that were, you know, because I saw Conan kind of rarely just to like hand him a coffee or something because um, I was a production intern. Interned the same year as Ellie yeah. Kemper. I got to see the, the budding romance between her and Michael Coleman, one of the Conan writers at the time. And she interned like a little bit. She was a bit older than your average intern. I think she was actually 26 there doing an internship for like the casting department. So I noticed that was strange because most of us interns were juniors or seniors in college. So we were like 20, 21. So, uh, but you know, things turned out great for Ellie. <laughs> and then I just remember the the uh, the vibe among interns was was a very competitive one because we were all like sort of at each other's throats and it like obviously was in a like low, in a low promise key way. if you did something so well like well we all wanted to be hired as oh, okay. you know like eventually PAs like production assistants or like we all wanted to keep working on Conan you know like there were no interns there that I saw that were like blase about it or like Ugh. these were like coveted intern positions and I just lucked out because I applied during the school year you know because during the school year they're kind of limited to whoever goes to school nearby whoever has a college nearby and I was in Fairfield Connecticut so I would take the train in twice a week for college credit if I had waited to try to apply for a summer internship it would have been impossible possible because the summer yeah. is when all of the kids of the executives like everybody who works at NBC that's when they their kids just get right in you know so oh really yeah yeah <laughs> really it, i wonder how that works a lot of nepotism do you do you do you remember your first time you did stand up yes it was well i remember my first show very clearly it was at comics which was a club on 14th street near 8th avenue um and uh I was really scared, but my mom, I think my mom had come by herself. Like she was just sitting almost in the, <laughs> and almost in the front row, like, you know, mom. and I had, you know, my couple of jokes like written on my hand 
you know, because I'd have the microphone and then I'd have it like on my hand, just like one word so I could remember each joke. I was so nervous. I think before. Hold on. You got to walk us back a little bit. So you decided I'm going to do this. I'm going to go down to people don't know who you are. How do you get even booked to do stand? Like, how did that even happen? You just sign your name on the list. Say I'm going to tell some jokes and they're like, sure. Like, do people at places like that want to see a disaster happen? Or is that like, you know, So yeah, what you're describing are open mics, which like right. are in every I mean, New York was like the place to do stand up comedy, I think, before the pandemic um now it's sort of obviously you know that's a whole other conversation like the 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 way that things have been opened up and the gatekeepers are sort of not as powerful as they once were now you could have a i mean there there are good uh you know open mic scenes and kind of you know boston definitely like probably los angeles still like new york was like number one people would you know drop everything and move from whatever their town was to live in new york city to give it a shot but yes with open mics that is when you do sign up you know you put your name down on a list you'll be 16th out of 35 or something or there are some mics where you have to show up at several hours early to sign up there's certain mics that you have to know someone to get on there's certain mics that you have to pay a cover for certain mics that are free certain mics where you just have to buy drinks wait, wait, so- you have to pay to perform at some places? Yes, it's not uncommon at all. Like really? Just to get your name out there. Sometimes it's like a five or t- depending on really who who wow. the mic is with. There are some it's called like Laughing Buddha. It's like a I don't know. I wouldn't really call it a company, but they just run open mics. I think they they would charge like $10 just to get in and then you also have to buy a drink which in Manhattan, you know what I mean? They're like it's going to be I mean, if you get a PBR, maybe it's five bucks, but it's going to be more than that, depending on where you go. So not uncommon to spend money to get stage time. But I didn't think that was a huge deal because I was coming from the world of improv where you have to pay a coach to watch you practice. You have to rent a room to practice in and you get far less stage time because if you're on an improv team, maybe you perform once a week. Uh, whereas with stand-up, you can get on stage if you really want to, like back in the day, pre-pandemic, probably like five times in a night. If you really wanted to, you could go to like easily a couple mics every night. Wow. So, so you walk into this place. It's your mm-hmm. first time. Yeah. And, How many uh, people are in the way? Set the, set the tone. Oh, God. It was very dark. I was. How many people were there? I was um, very much on drugs. No, I wasn't on drugs. Uh, <laughs> they threw me in a bag it was the room was pretty full like i don't remember being empty and before this show at comics i did um so there's only the the way that comedians can kind of get into getting on stage i may a big way is through bringer shows which come after you've you know you've been doing open mics for a few months or a year whenever you feel comfortable they say all right we're gonna we're gonna have this show and you can be on it, but you have to bring five people. You have to bring seven people. And every bringer show is different. Like sometimes they, you know, for every person you bring, you get another minute of stage time. And if the the people that you promise don't come to the show, well, then, you know, I've heard bringers that will cut your time or cut you from the show. So it can be like pretty wow. intense. Um, nothing like that ever happened to me. Like I usually always brought the right amount. And if, you know, a friend bailed or something, I, I did... Uh, 
open mics they were called like the group was called super ego and it was this <laughs> woman michelle and this guy dale Sorensen, and they ran these mics at new york comedy club this was like a couple of owners ago and i really loved the two of them because dale was like this flamboyant gay guy and michelle was like this during the day she had like a full-time day job as a lawyer so i felt like they were like a good mix of like a good representation of like kind of people who do comedy and they were very supportive and i found that like the other comics that sort of came up in those mics with me that it's kind of like your crew for a few years like you always yeah. remember who you start with um not necessarily like at that mic but you kind of remember who starts around the same time as you like what year you know oh like we did mics in brooklyn together or you know that's how like these little clicks form and then, you know, you do a bunch of bringers and that one at comics was a bringer. I did them a lot because um, I used to have a lot of friends and it's just a great way to get a <laughs> <Used> good, <laughs> used to, then you burn them out and they're like, bitch, we're yeah. done coming to your shows. Yeah. It's like that everywhere though. It's just like, you kind of start with, the, I mean, I can even say this about this, this YouTube channel. I started with a bunch of, we just talked Star Wars in front of nobody and then I, we just kind of all went in a different direction. And every now and then you go back and say, Hey, you good. You're doing good. Remember those times? Yeah, it was good. And we you just, we just keep going, but you want to know what's funny. Um, and that when I, <laughs> Even like yeah. uh, in college, they used to do these, like what you said, like these open mic poetry slams is what they call them or something mm -hmm. like that in South Florida and my friend was like dude you gotta come all the pretty girls are there you gotta go you gotta go you gotta go there's like hundreds of people in this little coffee auditorium thing there's a mic and people <laughs> go up auditorium. and they read these things and i'm for people that love poetry god bless you I, i'm not against it but i'm sitting there this guy walks up and he's just like i've been working on this poem for six months and he reads this poem and you're just like six months man six like months. really and so i'm like i'm telling my friends like i'm just gonna walk up there and say something and everyone's gonna clap watch sure enough i just walked up and i was like i was in a dark place when i wrote this basically i meant in the back of the room <laughs> and i was like the candle was burning flickering i saw the gold flickering I saw my life flickering. Thank you. Everybody, and everybody clapped. clapped. And people afterwards were like, that was deep, man. That was deep. And I'm like, uh, yeah. And I just was like, that was my poem. <laughs> I never forget that. that. We tell, I tell that story all the time. <laughs> I was like, I just literally just walked up there. Um, because you pulled that out of your ass or you had written that? No, I just, I went up right off the top of my head because they had like these candles glowing, like or glowing. They were fake candles. They were set. They're at all the table, and people came and they were serving like coffee. And my friend was like, "I'm like, dude, this is a waste of my time." Like, I appreciate that people like it. Don't get me wrong. It's just not for everybody, you know. And it was. It, I sat back and I'm like, dude, I can't do this for like. They sat there for like four hours listening to people. Now, there's a new type of poetry, like they call it spoken word, oh, yeah. which I really like, actually. But like back then, you know, man, we were in Miami. Uh, people were just people. We would rather go to the beach. That's all I'm saying. Like, that's all it was. 
So, I don't know how anyone gets anything done if they live in a warm climate where they could go to the beach year round. Like, yeah, that's what I would do. You know what's you know what's even worse? Like, I my English teacher in college, I kept picking her like for all my because she was man, she was from Cuba and she oh my gosh, she she could have been a bikini model. Like she was, she was go, oh my gosh. I don't know Food how I player, got worked in that who, class. Who would play her in a movie? Uh, Selma Hayek. Okay. Like same boob size and everything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it, and it's Florida, so like everybody always dresses down, you know, like uh, Florida, like uh, well, you've been to Florida, so like yeah, Mi- well, yeah. Miami, like like flip flops are, and slides are normal attire, even at fancy places. So everybody like just dresses down or dresses less. Maybe that's the right. Maybe that's the yeah, right. Yeah, it's hot. Because out. it's hot, man. We're freaking hot. It's hot all the time. So it it's just what it's just what we do. So college was no different. And they had like open pool day <laughs> where anyone could go into the Olympic pool. And so we would you all had go an there Olympic just to pool see. at your high school? No, no, this is college. Oh, college. Wow. Man, college. What college yeah. did you go to? Florida? Uh, it was Broward. Okay, I heard of that. Yeah, and so it was community. Okay, you know, that's the way to go. All I could afford. <laughs> so, I wish I had gone to community college because I just, I didn't live on. You know, yeah. we didn't. Have, they didn't have campuses or anything, but it 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 is what it got the job done. Yeah, college is such a waste of money. I oh, on man, looking back, me. I picked the school that I picked because I. I thought the boys were cute walking around and I go, all right, this is where I'm going to find a boyfriend or maybe a husband. And I didn't care about like the academic part of it at all. Like, I didn't know what the hell I wanted. I just was like, oh, this campus looks like a golf course and it's full of cute boys. Sign me up. That's usually the criteria. I mean, I'm just saying there are a few people that are like, oh, wow, the credentials are nice. And then I believe there's people that go to certain colleges because of the cred you know, you go to oh, Yale, yeah. so you could say, went to Yale, you know, like something like that. But I don't know. Majority. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, waste of time, um, <laughs> my transition. Have you ever had a, like a really, really bad show? Um, Of course. In your, like, mi- in your I, mind. In, in recent, recently, the I think I'm like, you get to a point where it's like, parts of a show will be bad but i'm not at the point where i will completely bomb an entire show like because i you know like a good you know a good 30 minutes of this material is always going to work and then you maybe try your newer stuff and that doesn't go over so well or maybe if something that's older didn't go over so well it's like well you forgot your best tags it's like well you told it out of order like you were disorganized so yeah. And so it's more about the preparation. Yes. For me, it really is. Like, I am so good with improvising crowd work. Uh, and I can just have a blast just playing with the crowd. Um, but for me, like, I have to know what jokes I'm going to do. And es- especially for like an hour set or a 45 minute set, yeah. like, the, the order's got to be down because you can't just, like, I can't just, I don't know. I have to know what I'm doing. I can't just, like, some comics can. They can just talk out of their ass for an hour, and it's great. I think Jim Brewer. But you also have people. to like read the room too, right? 
Oh yeah, for sure. I always listen to like what the feature comic is getting laughs at the host comic. And ah. if it's a showcase style where it's like you're, everyone's doing 10, 15 minute sets, like yeah, I always listen to people before me because I want to know, did somebody tell a joke similar to one I have? Cause I don't want to be redundant. Yeah. And I also I'm listening for like, okay, this is a very left leaning crowd or like, and I always, you know, if I'm doing a show out of town, I kind of try to research and look into like, is this a red state, a blue state, a red city, a, a blue city and listening to what people are laughing at. Cause that gives you a sense of like, okay, what you can push on, what you can't, not that I would not do certain jokes, but I would know from what angle to approach them. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, see, that's the thing too. It's like going into that, like, we don't even know how all that works. The prep work, reading the room is, I think is from, I, I mean, I could be wrong is huge. I think. Because you could say something and people will just look at you like, <laughs> and then it's just where, you know, do, do you just go to the next? Like, just like, yeah. I mean, if that happens, I think it's best to acknowledge it. Be like, wow, I guess you guys don't like jokes about midgets who rape, you know, and then you uh, go, you know, you just like acknowledge <laughs> whatever joke that you just did that didn't go over so well. And then I think a good tactic is to be like, wow, I guess you don't like jokes about like whatever the subject matter is. Like, acknowledge ever... it. Have you, ever, have you ever seen a comedian live that just, I mean, nuclear bomb themselves out of a career or just was so bad you would want to go to them and just say, hey, career, man, I don't You never know because like it's the same for you. Like if that was bad, honestly, I mean, you don't have to name names. I'm just saying like if sometimes ever, it doesn't matter. Like, honestly, if you have the right political opinions, like you'll still get booked, you know, like they're, mm. you know, look at everybody who's on the Netflix's joke tour how many conservatives are on the bill how many republicans can you name so a lot of a lot of like the comedy industry is like very leftist and so if you have the right look if you have if you fulfill the right diversity requirement like you will get booked and if you know people and if you're in you know it's kind of you don't have to blow people away on stage to to get a lot of opportunities you just have Has to like, you know, have the right look. Uh, you don't have to reveal this. Just blink twice. Has anybody ever used a laugh track? I, I'm sure, like, not in a live show. You can't do that like in Millie a live Vanilli show. Did, you know? Okay, oh, okay. That, that would be so hard to do. You'd be like, what's this laugh coming out of the loud, the loudspeakers? Oh, I see, I see. I'm sure that comics have, like, what is it called? Frank, what is it called when you add a laugh track to something? Buttering something up? I forget. But yeah, I'm sure that comedians have added laugh tracks to their albums or to their special. Sweetening. It's called sweetening. Sweetening. Yeah. Okay. I, that's what I need to do if I ever stand up. Uh, you know, You'll just play like your own. I could laugh. see you. I actually could see you bringing like a boombox and then you like press like, it. I, that would be my skit. I would tell terrible yeah. jokes and just look around and then play the laugh. That's and then that's funny. when people would laugh. That's really I think funny. that. I think that's that would be, you know, don't anyone steal that because I might, you know, do a career change. Uh, you, you could you do know, it. I think you could be a decent stand up. I could. Uh, charismatic. <laughs> I like the uh, I, I wouldn't want to be the stand up. I'd want to be the like the host. OK. He comes on for like a few minutes and tells a couple dumb things and like makes fun of people and then introduces them. Like, that's what I would love to do. Uh, what do you call like that? That's like the host? Yeah. And, yeah, host or an MC. A lot of times the know? host or the MC will also be stand-up comics. Um, yeah. But in some cities, there are some people who just do MCing. 
Yeah, see, that's that's got my name written all over it. You know, you know, it's like it. What people don't realize, uh, the kind of work that you do, the number one fear in the entire world. Do you know what the you know what the number one fear is? The public speaking. Public speaking is over death. They take wow. the census every year, and public speaking is always number one, and death is number two. People are more afraid of public speaking than they are of dying. What's the thing is uh, like you could be bad at dying and no one's gonna judge you for it. And and there's no way to there's no way to actually practice dying. Like you can practice public speaking, there's kind of no excuse. Uh I mean like if you're really dying, that scared of it, go and take class, take improv classes, take you know what I mean, practice getting But that speeches. it makes people even scared of that. It's like I just think some people have it or they don't, you know. Some people are not good at public speaking and some people are and that's okay right totally like totally there's people who are are naturals at it like you and i of course <laughs> but like i don't know i had to i, had I to, mean i'm speaking I, through a camera but yeah. i think it was like being a teacher for all those years i think you have to work kinda... on it i think it i think like you could be naturally entertaining or naturally you know charming um, but you do have to, you do have to work on it, especially when yeah. it's when jokes are involved and timing is important and your delivery matters. You have to listen back to your sets and be constantly evaluating how you're doing, man. It's a, it's a drag. It's, that's <laughs> a lot of work. I mean, I, I, no, it's good because, you know, like for many people, they just think that, you know, comedians are just, that they just naturally can go out and just. You know, like there's comedians that are, you know, and this is where I find myself. I'm not a comedian, but I'm just saying I like storyteller comedians. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they'll tell a story, but it's freaking hilarious. But it, and it's and it's just I saw a comedian talk about buffets. Oh my gosh! And he was a big dude. What was his name? Pe probably people Patrice? in the chat will let tell me. But yeah, that he was like, died? did he die? Oh, God, that's even worse. But he, he you're told thinking a, of he, a big fat white guy. Yes, he did die. I was Spanish. John Panette, Panette. Yes, that's it. It, it, it was called okay. Show Me the I Buffet. That's right. Alive, it was yeah. it was he's freaking alive, funny. Panette is dead. Man, he's not dead, is he? John Panette is dead? Yeah. When did he die? When did he die, Frank? 10 years ago. Are you kidding? <laughs> it's been that guy? long. I just like I guy? just heard this not too long ago. What the heck? Ralphie May also also <laughs> dead. He the one. He's the one who looks like he's wearing a fat suit. All right. Well, that's a good terrible These turn. Comedians but... they they don't last too long. They don't last. They don't last. But he did the. Uh, he did this. Panette died. He talked. Okay. He talked. He talked about buffets, and it was like it was so freaking fun. It's just like walking up to a buffet. It was just so funny. Just telling a story about walking up to a buffet. You so, could do something like that. Just start writing a story about, I don't know, theme parks. Oh, I can something. make fun of people at theme parks. That's yes. what I do when I go <laughs> go live. We we talk about people's dress code. Uh, it's should. just like unbelievable uh what people what people wear. Have you ever had like a perfect you felt like that was a perfect show? Yes, actually. And you just almost didn't want it to end because it was just was like 
Yeah. Yes. The night before my mom died, I had a perfect show. Dear God, show. can we a, get off death? Just I had a perfect second. show. And it was, it was really crazy too. Cause it was like, I was just flying high. Like ever, I think, I think people were standing up clapping. Like it was at Westside comedy club in Manhattan. It was my friend, Amory's show that she was running. And then the next morning at 9am, like when I was on the, the way to work, I got the call. And I was like, wow. And I even still tried to go to work. Like, I was like, I knew this was coming. I knew she had brain cancer. I knew it was bad. And then I just like, couldn't, couldn't do it. Cause I beat myself up and I sometimes don't give myself a break, but I had a perfect show the night before it was, it felt wow. really good. Yeah. I just, where you hit everything perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I is was very prepared. I yeah. think as my mom started to get like sicker and sicker, I like, I think I needed a focus and I just started to work harder on comedy. And I know that definitely after she died, this huge space opened up, like where I would spend a lot of time and energy, like worrying about her and like taking uh... care of her emotionally. Like when she was gone, it was like in some ways the best thing that could have happened to my career because I had all the space and like and then i just filled it with my goals and started working harder and you know like a, a lot of kids who feel like they have to take care of their parents emotionally will know what i'm talking about where it's like mm. it feels like the roles are reversed and like you're kind of taking care of them instead of the other way around so um oh okay. <laughs> wait the frank just passed me a note he, it says worst late night bombs, Dave Lester and Rob Delaney. I have the links. Oh, these are examples of bombs. Oh, they did. Oh, they did bombs. I know these people. Oh, wow. oh, okay. And then we have the links here. Oh boy. Oh no. Yeah. These are people that we know. <laughs> Here's one. Here's a pretty bad bomb from somebody we know. You want to put them on blast like I'll that? Put it, I'll, yeah, this person's been talking shit about me since day one. Oh. Um, everyone talks, not everyone, a lot of people do. And then it's just if you want to see examples of bombs, nothing personal. These are just excellent bombs. And here's another one. Yeah, it's bad. You definitely don't want to bomb on like late night TV or like, you know, any kind of TV appearance. Like I think, um, I did a few appearances on laughs, which was like, um, they would show stand up comedy, but it, it would be filmed at clubs. So is this, this a, is it. Is when do I start it when right now? Start the bomb thoroughly all the way through Frank, or just so you can start it whenever. They're not long. They're not okay. Long. They're not long. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I always wanted to fly to Iraq for a, a stopover on the way out here. I love it. Love it. The terrorism is crazy right about now, man. Air Iraq Airlines. You ever fly Air Iraq Airlines? It's Trump. This is funny you know, already. Go, That's how you know you ready to land. That's all they give you. That's it. Probably the recession, you know. Crickets. Cutting back, cutting corners. Recession is hurting right about now, you know what I mean? It's rough. I know it's rough. <laughs> Got robbed by a white dude in a suit. I haven't seen this in years. <laughs> but that marinate for a minute. I know. It's, weird. <coughs> it's rough, man. The thing about the current economic situation I'm having a problem with is the fact that everybody holds a master economic system. Everybody knows economic. Everybody's like an expert on the economy all of a sudden. Like 
I seen a bum come up to me the other day. It was like, um, y'all my brother. <laughs> and I knew what he was going with it. Y'all my brother. I was wondering, if I, <laughs> perhaps you had a bailout? Trying to get that bailout going? I'm like, really, dude, a bailout? Just then a crack, a female crackhead walked up and was like, I got that stimulus package, baby. Who wants some of this stimulus package? It's like, I'll take the bailout wow. for $300. I'm just saying. Wow, this is from what 2011. It's I'm crazy how like old these talk. terms like bailout and stimulus this are. Yeah. This has my haircut. Can't afford to go to What do you just keep going? Too much going on at the barbershop. Right. Why would? You, yeah, yeah but this is also being filled for TV, TV so I can understand the urge not to just keep pushing through and not acknowledge. Confetti fall out the sky. Two people get in a fight. The Fonta girls run around acting crazy. It's a real scene. If it were me, that's I would, horrible. I would go into the. I would <laughs> People go into, aren't even like they're not even engaged. When I feel that something isn't hitting, I like I finish the joke and then I go into the crowd. Like I talk to people. I feel like I, I have to pull their attention, and uh, and a lot of times an audience will disconnect with you because they felt that you have disconnected with them. Like if you're just if your energy is up here and you're just like doing your jokes from memory and you're just like it's like it's almost like they feel like are we even here do you even care about us like are you gonna independent like certain audiences really love to be played with really love to be talked to and certain audiences expect to be made fun of and roasted and if you're just running through your jokes like again that i don't know the, the plan for this tv taping maybe it was zero crowd work but i just know for me personally if i feel like i'm not doing well i'm definitely gonna go into the crowd and uh or like and it's i had not, it's so so I'm sitting in the crowd and you see me like, what's the first thing I would probably address your Santa hat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah. I would, I would probably, like, just because just it's easy. Just make some sort of, I would be like, well, you look like Santa's little helper if he was gay. Like I would just, cause it's yeah. just easy to, it's so easy. To because just call people like gay. seeing other people get roasted when it's not them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And it doesn't have to be accurate or, you know, it's just, I find like making declarations into the crowd is always good because then you have something to come back to when it's relevant. Knowing people's names is really helpful, where they're from, oh. what their jobs are, because you just log that and then you can use that later in your set. Like if you make a joke about, you know, you find out somebody's a dentist early in the show and then another, um, you know, someone else in the crowd later in the show talks about losing a tooth then you can be like oh you need to see john over here because he's a dentist oh, like, I see. and people remember that and then that gets a laugh it's not even funny it's just you remembered and then you connected so yeah but what goes into all right so you're you're doing a show tonight after this podcast yeah the hartford funny bone in hartford connecticut seven o'clock uh, with Amanda Gale, who is a great gal. She's open for me many times. Super funny. So yeah, nice early seven o'clock Sunday show. Still have time. So what to... like what goes into what like what goes into your routine? Do you take like stuff that's happening today? I and could, like mix it yeah. all up or yeah, like last just... night I was mentioning the tornadoes. Um that happened like a couple days. Yeah, like literally yeah. two days ago. So like, it really depends. Like, like tonight I want to work some things that I'm working on for my album, but I will of course like do my older stuff too. Cause this album is going to be a combination of. Yeah. Talk about that. You have yeah. an album coming out. 
Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's gonna be called Live from January 6th, because I'm taping it on January 6th. And I was also there at January 6th, and I'm trying to like make fun of it, make light of it. Uh, because yeah, one of your haters sent me a super chat. Oh, which one? That. RJ Dorian. I don't know who that is. You want me to read it? Sure. I usually respect my guests, but you know, if it's they right. send something, they go, well, well, for $20, send me $20 to read this to you. It's uh, worth it. Well, it isn't Chrissy Meyer, the proclaimed nationalist supporter of the insurrection. No wonder why the fandom menace, uh, which is kind of like they call. I don't really know who the fandom menace is. So the fandom menace used to be a group of YouTubers that spoke out against Hollywood. Um, And it was like a really big type of YouTube movement back in 2019. And we kind of all like found our own voice and our own thing. And we just kind of. I don't know if like moved on from it might be, but we don't really use that term much anymore, but we still kind of speak out. Yeah, it was like Gary and Jeremy okay. and EDS okay. and, and they were like the big, they were like, they called them like the big guys of the Phantom Menace. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but we kind of, everybody just started finding their own group. You know yeah, what I mean? Like we're all together, like fighting for something. And then you just, it happens in, listen, yeah, it happens with of, religion, political movements. Are, I think, like you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, really, it just happens. Yeah. And so, you know, and so anyway, so he says, wonder why the Phantom Menace is so much right wing claiming to be right, not looking forward to be lectured from your political beliefs. That's Which weird. I don't, I don't think, feel like I, I don't feel like we talked about anything political yet so far. No, I hate show. politics. Like I don't. People, people like claim that I'm like this diehard Trump supporter because I'm part of Geeks and Gamers, and I'm just like y'all don't know me very the thing well. Is that most people are incredibly stupid and they don't want to take the time to to watch your your collect your body of work or research you to actually find out where your beliefs are. So they'd much rather put you in a box that way they don't have to think as much and they can just be like, all right. Jay and Chrissy, they're part of the alt-right. We don't have to listen to anything they have to say. We can, you know, I can stay in my bubble. I don't have to open my mind up to anybody different. And, like, if that's what people need to do to feel safe, like, that people are going to do that. So. Yeah, people are sending money. Phantom Menace lives. By the way, Chrissy roasts me. I don't think you want that. Uh, (laughs) It's a young young man here. I don't think you, I'm I'm pretty sure it will. People uh, like the idea of being roasted until until they get roasted and they're like traumatized. I, I know. And then they're kind of like, they're like, uh, that would hurt. Called me gay. <laughs> I used to take part in those things too, where I saw like it, two comedians and y'all would look at each other and you would make fun of each other. Yeah. They still you do. Know. Roasts were very popular a few years ago um, with uh, the Comedy Central did roast battles. There were like a couple, it, they were going on in uh, New York and LA primarily. And even still, there's a group called Comedy Fight Club, which still does roasts uh, monthly in New York City, I think at the stand. I personally did like 12 or 11 roasts, and uh, I've judged many roasts too, which I find almost more fun to do because you can make fun of them. And it's like the stakes are lower because you're just judging it. Do you know most people like at the end of the day, it like, is it just because you have thick skin or you just know it's just... You got to have thick skin in your business. Number you one. You do. You do. You have to not care. You really have to not. Uh, for me, the biggest challenge was like realizing not everyone is going to like you. 
And I struggled with feeling like misunderstood for things I didn't do and things I didn't say. But you're like, oh, people are just not going to like you. And you can't sweat trying to convince everybody because that wastes so much time. Like, you have to just, yeah, you have to find the people that uplift you, like find your crew and the people that you want to uplift who make you stronger, who make you a better worker or more dedicated or who strengthen you. Um, And that's who you focus on and worry about. Not these like dumb trolls who don't even know what they're talking about, who just they're avoiding their own lives by shitting on people they don't know on the internet. So the degree to which you cannot take all that personally it's going to be great. And yeah, don't worry about pleasing everyone. Not everyone will love you. Even if you could be the most lovable, like Jay, you're the one of the most lovable people. I couldn't understand anyone not liking you, but I'm sure there's people who don't like you. And it's like, part of you is like, it doesn't make sense. I have to explain myself. I have to get through to this one person who doesn't understand. It's like, no, this is a waste of time. Like that they're probably avoiding something, <laughs> you know, anyway. Listen, so, when my, when my grandmother died this year, um, and it wasn't from the coof. Uh, she was 95. She had, she had kidney failure. And I told, I told my, uh, <laughs> I told my family, I was like, look, I, I'm going to be gone off social media. I like, I, I got to tweet something out. Just don't read the comments because there's people out there that hate me. They just do. And my brother and all them are like, what? Come on, man. Like you, you build orphanages and stuff. Why? I was like, they just do. They just do. They find something. They just do. So I did. I was like, I'm going to be gone for a few days. My grandmother passed away. And she said, she meant the world to me, you know? And, and I was very angry at that time because we went in 2020. She was locked. She, she was in Virginia. She was locked in a nursing home. I uh, wasn't allowed to see her. You remember that crazy time where it was like, you can't go she hit the demographic for these lockdowns. I wasn't allowed to see her. Uh, she couldn't be with family for Christmas. And I, it just, I was so, uh, you know, I just like, I was speaking out a lot. Like normally I don't speak out on stuff like that, but that time was like, are right, you affecting me? You know, it was like my first Christmas without seeing her in my entire life. My first Thanksgiving, my entire life, my entire life. Did existence. you see her? At times, other than Christmas and Thanksgiving, or all the time. Well, I used to live when I lived up there. Spent lots of times, but every time I came to visit my folks, um, you know, I'd always spend time with grandma, grandma and grandpa, and so like they were, they were key pillars in our growing up, you know. Yeah. And then uh, she got really sick, and we were like, should we go visit? You know, my mom's like, you can't this and that, and then she passed away, and uh, then we couldn't even go to the funeral. Oh, man. So I spoke, I was speaking out a lot about this bull crap. I was like, I was one of those people. Those people are like, oh, it's a lie. You can go to funerals. And I was like, no, I was one. Me and my brother were the ones that couldn't go to the funeral. Could only have six people at the funeral. Oh, and of course, man. you know, the her children, my dad and you know, my aunt, all they were gonna they were she had a, you know, they went. And so I put it on Twitter, and like the first few comments were like. Oh, I screwed your grandma's dead body. Your grandma's burning in hell. And I'm just like, I'm uh, like, man, what kind of pathetic? And it's just like, and and so then, like, people from my family saw that and they're like, why are they sick? I was like, just leave it alone. Like, they just, hey, if they, you were nobody, if you had no, uh, like, effect on people, if you didn't have a following, you wouldn't have as many haters. It's literally haters and trolling is ultimately a selfish act and i learned so much about this from this book so you've been publicly shamed by john ronson and it he goes through and explains like 
remember when Chappelle, everyone was shitting on Chappelle. Oh, yeah. Da, da, da. And that was the time where all of like, you know, I noticed in the comedy community, like the go nowhere tra trans or LGBT or even like woke liberal comics. Oh, great. This is my time to elevate myself because I'm going to comment on Dave who's up here and everyone's yeah. going to see me because I'll be up here commenting on Dave. This is my time to shine. It's, it is like, they're literally making it about them. What looks like virtue signaling and obviously, Oh, we're shitting on Dave Chappelle. It's like, no, no, no. You're, you're doing that for you to elevate yourself. And that's so all the other comics like you can see you doing this and it's a way for you to network and keep track of who has the right opinions and, that happened to me a few times, like publicly shamed over jokes or um, just, yeah, really just jokes or uh, sketches or just, you know, comedy stuff. And when you realize it's not about you, you can you can kind of take a breath and be like, oh, OK, like you don't take it personally because it's about these folks that are trying to elevate themselves and become known. And they do it through shitting on the person everyone's decided to shit on at that time. It's yeah, and that's why you have to, and that's the whole purpose of like we talk, we call this the Welcome to Rebellion podcast because it's like you have to shake off, you have to rebel against your fears, you have to rebel against all and just leave it behind. Because I know, I know there's people listening, I know there's people that listen to you know the podcast because I get emails all the time saying, Man, I really would want to do X, Y, and Z, but I'm afraid of what people will say or what they'll think or what. What if nobody likes it? What if, and I'm like, there's always what ifs. What if you made a million dollars? You have to do it for you. You have to do it for you. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just part of being a human and, and also our, our another, growing as people. And this is just from like years of rejection in comedy and like briefly, you know, I would audition for like commercial, like for acting for commercials, a lot of rejection there too. It's like, and what I, what I learned in one of these classes is like, you have control uh, over your input, right? You have control over how much you read, how much you work, how hard you work. You have control over how many, right? In our case, how many videos you make, how many shows you do, how many hours I spend writing. What you don't have control over is the result. So when you let go of the results and you just focus on the work and your heart and doing the best you can, you'll be in a good place and you actually will have better results and more success. But when you, when you get into something and you are fixated on the results and you're fixated on the success, um, it's just, first of all, I feel like that's the wrong focus to have. Cause you're, it's a little bit more like, I think superficial, you know, um, I think Joe Rogan got to where he was because he just wanted to do good podcasting and yeah. have interesting guests and ask, you know, search for truth. And then people love that. People also want that. And he blew up. Uh, and when you look at these celebrities, like remember all the videos they would do during the beginning of the pandemic? And they're oh doing God. that for the result. They're not doing that from their heart because you can tell and you can feel that by watching them. The Madonna videos, the Gal Gadot Imagine. It's like, you know that you know that they're either their agent or whoever. They think that it's a good look for them to do this video. But again, focus on the result. Well, what do people think of me? People will love me. Not because they're doing it at the goodness of their heart, because if they were doing it from the goodness of their heart, they'd they'd be volunteering their time. They'd be they'd be doing things that wouldn't be like getting them so much attention. This might not be the best example, but when when you look at people who are successful, um, it's oftentimes because like it's they're not as like Gary Gary V is like a, a good example. Like he had a ton of he's like a motivational speaker slash entrepreneur. Like he's all about 
<clears throat> setting goals and like working hard and just you can't fixate on the on the end result because you don't have any control over that. And if you're only doing comedy or podcasting or YouTubing for the result, like you're not going to be happy because you're going to be like obsessed with your stats and constantly instead of like, what is some great content that I will love making? And yeah, and if I love making it and I love watching it. If I'm creating the content that I wish to see more of in the world, well, surely some someone else will feel that way. And if enough people do, then that's where the success comes. And that's how isn't you it, know. Isn't it crazy? Like for a lot of people, including myself, things like that are such a struggle. Like we have to learn. We have to learn to block off people that are not important to us that will criticize. We have to learn, like you said, uh, I, for me, I actually had to learn to enjoy the journey a little bit more than just constantly, you know, and then, uh, it, it, I read, I read like of all people, Troy Aikman was a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys and he, he won the Super Bowl. And in his book, he was like, after I won, I won the Super Bowl. I was just sitting in my hotel room with a six pack of beer and he was like miserable. Wow. And he was just kind of like. And he, but then he goes back and he goes, I wish I had enjoyed the journey instead of just a constant, you know, I got to win this game. I got to win this game. And it was like, it was the journey to get there that he missed, um, enjoying and, and thing. I mean, it's just like right, all these things that we forget. He was still on the way to winning the yes. Super Bowl or whatever. I feel like he, he was still yeah. in it and now that's in his past. Like, right. Yeah. Exactly. And so it was just that it's it's so crazy. Like these things, they never teach us this in high school. <laughs> who, would be, who would be fit to teach this sort of thing? How many teachers did we have that were like entrepreneurial successes? No, it's like uh, most people that go into teaching go into that because they are not they couldn't be an entrepreneurial sex, um, success. You know, I just think in in schools, they should have people come and speak to all the students and talk about side hustles, oh, uh, yeah. how to properly organize goals, uh, just even like motivational talks. Cause man, some teachers are dull, man. Like I, you know, it's just like, how, why, why do I want to learn math? You're boring. Like I can barely, I'm daydreaming of like girls in underwear. You know what I mean? It's like, I Again, can't it's like that teacher. That's like the stand up comic who's bombing yeah. on stage. Who's not connected with how the crowd is receiving them. And they're not thinking of, and a teacher that's like that. And we've all had one. That's a teacher who is just going through the motion on their lesson plan. They're not thinking like, how can I make this fresh for this new crop of kids? Or what are they into? How can I make this interesting to them? Like, my sister's a teacher. She's sort of a kooky lady. And, but she is, I think she does keep track of like, how can I make this fresh for people? Like, I think she was uh, doing a lesson on, oh, on like sci not scientists or physicists or something. Like, she was showing pictures of like notable people that they should know. And yeah. one of the pictures she showed was a picture of our dad just to keep them on their toes to be like, who's uh, this guy? And people were like, Stephen Hawking. Like, it was the answers were hilarious <laughs> who people thought that this guy was. But, she does occasionally do funny things to keep her class on her toes. So and you know what my goal is? This is my goal. I'm going to share something real quick. <laughs> my goal is to be like Mark Ruffalo here. Ew. Mark Ruffalo was the Hulk. He's decided that he will follow somebody back on Twitter for the right price because he's raising money for the ACLU. <sighs> I'm, I'm Listen, that? I'm all for people raising money for charities, believe it. So I'm not like, but I'm just like. That's all you get. 
right? You get Isn't nothing that's else. All Hollywood is though, it's like there is a price for access. At, you know, all access. I mean, all this is how it's for you know, for him to follow me right now, the bid is at you know a little over two thousand dollars. They they value a follow for Mark Ruffalo on Twitter at five thousand dollars. I'm like, I'll follow you on Twitter for fifty bucks. The PayPal is in the description, people. And like, how I, much? How much for Mark Ruffalo to like, like and retweet your stuff? It, it doesn't say that, but it also says, which I find kind of funny. It's I would like, pay for like, I would, I wouldn't pay five thousand dollars, but I might consider paying something if I could pick what he could retweet. That would be funny to me. He was like, <laughs> he's like, if you don't align with his beliefs, he can unfollow you. You know, oh, and it's great. it's only supposed to last a year. Uh, yeah, minimum of one year, uh, as long as the connection is not abused. Winner's profiles not aligning with Mark Ruffalo's brand or overall views. The donor has the right to cancel the auction. <laughs> I just found it funny. Listen, wow. again, you want to raise money for what you believe in, I get it. But it's like, of all, like I would think you know, would, a, I think he would make more than an autograph of Hulk or something. He doesn't want our $5,000, Jay. He wants the 5 k of somebody who aligns with him politically. The best is Mark Ruffalo reserves the right to unfollow auction like, winner across money. <laughs> I mean, money. If you truly cared about raising money, you wouldn't care who it came from, right? Because isn't it a great cause? It's such bullshit. Just everything about this is so bad. I mean, look, five thousand is not a lot of money. Number one, maybe he thought he could raise twenty or thirty. I mean, it's a little. It's definitely a decent chunk of money. For a regular person, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but I'm just like for him to say, I need $5,000 for the ACLU. It's like, can you just cut him a check? I mean, like what? Yeah, he's definitely you overvaluing know. his follow. I thought it was. I saw that and I was just like, that's the funniest thing. And, you know, maybe I can do that, but I yeah. probably I doubt anyone. Would. Literally, all it takes for me is somebody being like, Chrissy, come on, follow me, please. And I'm like, OK. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the end of it. A well crafted, a well crafted tweet argument on why I should follow them, or like, come on, Chrissy, give me a follow, make my day. It's my birthday or whatever. I'm just like, okay. oh, that's nice of you. Well, yeah, it's not gonna. What is it to me? It's just a follow. Yeah, but you might not align. I true. I might not align. They might hate candy corn. And... Oh wow, I like a candy pumpkin. The, it's the same family. But it's, you know, it's more, I don't know, substantial. It's a lot. It's a lot more in your mouth than. Uh, yeah. Some of us like that. <laughs> See, whatever makes you happy. I mean, that's 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 the thing. So, Chris, what is like, what's your biggest fear? Oh, not reaching my potential. Like, oh, man, that's perfect. Letting my um, what I know my shortcomings are like to have those win out over my message my purpose like my whatever god-given purpose or like the path yeah. that like god is leading me down to be stifled by my own whether it's like procrastination anxiety insecurity to have those things be bigger than what keeps me pushing through you know i yeah but laughter's huge we don't laugh anymore and people are afraid to tell jokes that are some people are the pussies some people are. are and but still it's like we're even conditioning the next generation to not find humor funny you know what i mean yeah that's it's like I they'll see something and be like 
Can I laugh at that? Yeah, I'm all for just keep putting in people's faces. It's a joke. It's a joke. Like I yeah. keep that back to so many people. It's a joke. You got to relax. I'm a comedian. This is comedy. Like, and and usually that kind of conversations is happening on social media. In you know when you're performing live, you're not getting like maybe somebody will have a heckler, but you're not going to have instant. The feedback you get is is there a laugh or is there not and you adjust accordingly you don't you're not hearing what's everybody's opinions like mm, you know like where do they think you're wrong it's like it's very simple it's like did they laugh or did they not i that's the thing but i i even see people that are afraid to laugh true and, you know it's like yeah. it's it's even gotten to the point where listen I, i'm sorry people can judge me for this is probably why they hate me when i see someone walking as long as they don't hurt themselves, but they trip and fall, I freaking it's hilarious it to me. Is I, hilarious. Help, I will help them up. Listen, people laugh at me. I'm a big dude. I'm 6'4, 260. When I fall, it's an it's an earthquake, you know? So and and if people will laugh, you know, and it's just like just help me up and laugh at me. It's it's okay. But even people now are like, How dare you laugh at that person? My yeah. God. And I'm like, it was fine. It was funny man like what can i say yeah that that, that kind of stuff i, I like grew that. up on that listen yeah. i grew up with like uh chris farley like he always in all his all movies he yeah so fell funny. down mountains you know and like ran into wall it's like that slap you know it's like that stuff is funny it is funny and, and now you're telling that, me they're they're full of shit don't, don't they laugh. they left anyone who's um you know pretending to be like holier than thou on comedy or laughing it's like they for sure laugh at things that they know they shouldn't they for sure laugh at jokes that are racist they for sure laugh at somebody's expense but like you know it's now it's trendy and it's okay to like laugh at anything that has to do with white people so it's like you're a hypocrite like sure there are some truly humorless individuals who do not laugh at anything but the majority of people getting on their high horse and saying oh how dare you how dare you it's like they for sure have have laughed at you know what i mean they have laughed at a group where it's okay to marginalize them now which is white people or you know white women or white men this or that so it's very hypocritical it's it's all for oh. a show Somebody brought this up. America's Funniest Home Videos. Yeah, Aww, that's what we grew up on. People falling. Still, I think they're still going. The tree falling on someone. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. it's like that's just we and we laughed at that. People falling into the into the ocean or a lake or something. And like people a, wanted us to laugh at that dock. because they sent their videos in. Yeah, like a whole bridal party on a dock and the dock collapses and everyone gets wet. That's that's like that's funny to everyone. I know, but it's just, we don't, that's what I'm saying. It's like, um, Cecil is in the chat saying, not cool, Jay. Falling is no laughing matter. Unsubbed, blocked, and reported. Well, that's okay, Cecil. I have some private pictures of him that he sends me when he's had too much to drink. Wow. Um, I don't know why he sends them to me, but he does. I think he's my spank bank. This is what he this is what he does. I mean, but that's that's the thing. It's like when are we, you know, growing up with uh, Eddie Murphy, old Eddie Murphy, raw, and these some of these comics, you know. I mean, even Steve Martin back in the day, you know, if you listen to what some of his stuff, it's like they they didn't hold back. I mean, yeah. they didn't hold back from anything. Every, you know, 
No one was off limits. Because there was no fear of being canceled on social mm. media during that time. Like, there was... You were well, they came with warnings. They were like, you know, this ain't for kids. <laughs> it's a warning on here. It's like people have gotten drunk with power on their ability to absolutely crush another person and, you know, cancel them or destroy their career or get work taken from them, gigs taken from them. People love feeling powerful. And when you don't feel powerful in your own life, something like trolling on the Internet is very attractive to you. You think it's uh, going to change? It's an instant rush. Um, I don't think trolling will change. I no, as think... far as like cancel culture and all I that. I think that it's already beginning to change. I think that the words have less meaning now. Like threats of canceling have less meaning. Like, um, you know, like I, uh, I made fun of um, a trans person at this. Uh, convention that I was at last weekend and yeah, just got an email about it. Oh, this person went back and watched your live stream. Cause it's like, I was being my uh, friend who were working the, this booth at this convention. Like we were like perfectly nice to their face. And then they walked away and we're like, Oh, that's obviously a, a dude. Like we can see their dick. Like, like just pointing at, pointing out reality, you know, not being personally offensive, but that person went back and watched that part where we said that and then um, complained to the convention, which is a thing in the past that might have scared me. And now I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I know this 100% has to do with this person being upset that they can't pass for female. It has nothing to do with me or what I said, because what I said mm -hmm. is pointing out reality. It's like, you see a dick, you're going to point it out. Like, there's your, there's the bulge. Like, either <laughs> tape it back or get it removed. Like, don't be upset that people can see your dick. So I think like, you know, just getting, <laughs> getting older and being mature helps too. But I, you realize what this is about. Um, How many times have you been canceled? I mean, none of them have really taken like three or four. I don't know. There yeah. was the thing with Utica. There was the Kung Flu fighting video. There was something with this other girl who was a stand-up comic in New York City. She tried to cancel me. Um, I think the Grace Randolph yeah. thing gave you more heat than anything. That might Did been. it? I saw that on Twitter a lot. <laughs> he, Why would you make fun of Grace Randolph? Why? Really? I didn't. See, I didn't see any negative comments. But Grace Randolph is like, turns out, not the nicest person. Like Frank had responded to one of her tweets, um, being like, ah, "I personally know more people who have either died or had a miscarriage or had a you know gotten um, yeah. uh, like Ghislaine Barr syndrome or something like." He's, he was saying, like, I personally know people who have had side effects to the vax and or died. Then I know people who have just died of, you know, having COVID. And she just wrote back to him. That's bullshit. Like, yeah, I saw that. Like, you're oh, you're going to deny somebody's real life experience because of Man, your your message, your agenda. I used to love getting into Twitter fights maybe a year and a half ago. Now it's like. I don't have time for it anymore. <laughs> it it's is like, I don't have time for it anymore. It's yeah. just like, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, you're not going to convince them. It like, we live in this time now where you can have video, photo, facts, even someone that they look up to saying everything that they're saying is wrong and saying this is the right thing. And they still don't believe you because that's just Twitter. 
what the last person oh my gosh the last person um that was talking so much trash on twitter about the kyle the kyle uh right house yeah written house sorry excuse me excuse me kyle um this person just was going off like you know he killed black people and things like that oh, and then for him to say you that. go through yeah. you go through their twitter and like the funniest one on veteran veterans day they posted they were like salute to all my black brothers on veterans day and she posted a picture of marlon wayans as major pain wow and i'm like no, this part. No, we I said thank she, Marlon for his no, service. That's- and you're just like, what are you doing? Like, you don't even know. And people are saying that's from a movie that's not real. And she's like, f y'all, I don't believe y'all. And it's just like, well, there you have it, folks. There you have it. Right. But you know what's funny though? I will say this. My mom, God bless her. When she used to be on social media, it's not anymore. Um, but she used to get fooled by that stuff all the time. And me and my brother would do that crap to her, and it was awful. Uh, we would like send it out, like uh, everyone, let's salute the World War II veterans, and it was a picture of like the the Tropic Thunder, like poster, you know. And it's like retweet if you love our veterans, and it's like the Tropic Thunder, yeah. And she would be like, "Oh, okay," and she would do it. I don't know why we thought that was so funny. It's just so bad, but it was like. Oh, Damon Wayans. Sorry, I said Marlon. Sorry, I got my Wayans brother messed up. Sorry, everyone. Thank but yeah, you. it was just so funny. Uh, <laughs> we did that. Like, we would take the picture of Obi-Wan and be like, I'm not ashamed to have a picture of Jesus on my Facebook wall. And then she'd be like, oh, I'm not ashamed either. I'm like, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, you know, but it's, I don't know. The little things we did for mom. And mom just yeah. got tired of it. She's it's like, I'm fun. done with all this Freaking crap. your parents is so fun to do. One of the the favorite, like my favorite pranks I ever pulled on my mom. We were at the mall and, you know, we had like stopped at the whatever the food court and like, you know, there's big cups of drinks or whatever. And it's like opaque. It's got like, you know, you can't see through it. It's got like whatever Diet Coke in it or something. She goes to the bathroom. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. So we were all sharing this drink. There were like two straws in it. I took out one of the straws. I took the remaining straw. I bent it in half. I just bent it up in half and then stuck it back in the cup. So it looked like there were still two straws in there. She comes back from the bathroom. She's sucking away at the straw, like sucking until she's blue in the face. Like, what's wrong with this? And she just pulled out the bent straw and we like laughed our asses off. It's fun to prank your parents. So going back, do you think you're you're hitting your potential? Yeah, I think if you had told me from three or four years ago, like where I am now, I I would be like, whoa, I think I'd be very impressed. And it makes me realize like how seven years ago, how not serious I was. Wow. How not on the path. Like I was really floundering for like a good 10 years up until really like a few years ago when I caught my stride and started truly working harder and um branched out a little bit like branching out like i got the show on compound media then i started my own podcast and i think all of it working together has helped so much i your podcast is interesting because you just you have such a variety of guests on with all different walks of life talking about so many different things i had you on I was shocked because I saw your guest list and I'm like, there's all these like cool people. And it's like, then there's me. And we talk about theme parks for 20 minutes. 
I was like, man. That's important. I, people need to know how I feel about that, which is that people <laughs> who go to theme parks that are adults are mentally ill and they're avoiding something in their own lives. Like if you if you find yourself at a theme park every year, you're avoiding something. Probably a passport. That's it. That's what I think. <laughs> it's a conversation for another for another time. Uh does it feel good to go from almost paying for a to, to be heard to now people are calling you it does it does yeah to being like paid to do comedy like you were talking earlier like the open mics where some people had to pay just to just to get a chance to be heard yeah and then now it's uh yeah now you've mean, worked your way to a different so the journey's sure. been pretty, you think, pretty like, awesome okay, and, and you think oh there are some times where i have like imposter syndrome and i don't feel like i deserve anything or i don't feel like i'm that good and then i go like and i actually think back i'm like no you've been doing this for 10 years like it's okay to have success after 10 years like there were many years of not success like it's okay like be okay with this happening now was there a point where you were like if this doesn't work at a certain time no. I need to go work at Walmart or something. And no, just, because you know, I have always, um, like, uh, up until pretty recently, always had a day job. Like, I would never make myself any kind of a financial burden on anybody else. Like, mm. I was always able to, I've always had several jobs going. So that was always important to me to never be, like, a financial burden, like, on my parents or a significant other or anything like that. Like, I don't know if that comes from how I was raised. Like, just, you know, feeling like, oh, you better not. It probably is from how I was raised because my parents would always let me know how expensive college was. Like, they, you know, they never let me forget how much money yeah. it cost to get stitches in my forehead when I was eight years old, you know, like yeah. they would let you know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, I'm still paying for my dental. Then. Yeah. My cavity back at back in the So yeah. My, my parents were like, Your teeth better come in straight because we ain't paying for no braces. And thank God, no braces. <laughs> Good for you. I had braces in college, which is like the fucking worst time to have them because like you're trying to have a social life and get someone to date you and your mouth looks like a bear trap and you don't have any takers i'm sure that attracted a certain yeah it attracted pedophiles it attracted men that were into younger looking girls like there was a guy who thought i was 14 on a train because i had braces yeah all right that's a story for another time yeah <laughs> but like let's talk about your like this is the thing that I, I know people don't hear because we don't talk about it enough, but it's your work ethic. So it's like you work a day job from your day job, you work your passion job. And that takes and usually when you're working a passion job, that takes yeah. up more time than your day job it's because you're hustle. trying to find every five minutes and you're not going out with friends. You're not watching TV. You're not going to the movies you're not yeah, you're not dating. starting a you're not, family. I mean, there's a lot of things not, that come yeah. with it so what did you make a lot of sacrifices oh yeah still it's, are it's like everything you mentioned it's like leisurely travel it's like if you're a girl who wants to pursue stand-up comedy like go ahead and just like cross off any kind of leisurely travel like you know all of my vacation days over the years like you're not i'm not I do like every once in a while, like, yes, you can squeeze in a vacation or something like, yeah, I've been to Mexico once. Sure. It's not like I'm never, ever having fun, but you like all of my vacation time was spent doing road gigs, like doing comedy on the road. So it's like, 
you just have to make it work because I just never wanted to be broke. So, but then you learn. And I think like watching like Gary Vee stuff too, and just like having a, a boyfriend who's very, who kicks my ass and motivates me um, has helped. And you just realize like, all right, from when that job ends at five o'clock, even if you're on a train or driving or on the road, like what work are you doing for what you love, for where you want to go? Like, are you always pointing yourself in the direction you want to go in? And like you could be, you should be working on that side hustle from the minute your day job ends till the minute you have to fall asleep. So it's like, I've, yeah, definitely sacrificing like leisurely travel. Like, yeah, I saw a lot of the Midwest, you know what I mean? It's like I saw a lot of the country, which is great and I'm grateful for. But yeah, there's no like, I went to like Europe a couple times with an ex-boyfriend, but that was before I got really <laughs> serious about comedy. So yeah, and I, you know, you give Comedy's up. Comedy is a serious business. It is. It is serious. Like you could, and, and there's tons of people who dick around and they, and they do it for 10, 20 years and never get anywhere. It's cause like you really have to yeah. be focused and you have to be constantly gauging like what is working, what is not, who is my audience, where am I finding success and how can I do more of that? And you also have to be able to acknowledge like, where am I not having success? Like what walls do I keep finding myself bumping up against and trying to recalibrate but yeah, you definitely have to give up going on dates. And like, if you're lucky enough to find a significant other that understands like the comedy life and the fact that this is why not a lot of women do comedy. It's like, you should be out. Like, let's say the average person starts doing comedy, like in their early twenties, right? Right after college. And it takes about 10 years to like get established and start getting paid to do comedy. It's like, that's, that's 25 to 35. That's 23 to 33. That's like the best those are the best, like finding a boyfriend, getting married and having babies years for most women. So it's like you kind of have to be willing to sacrifice that to really like work something that you want as you. Yeah. yeah. And I most and like the comedy lifestyle is not attractive to most women. Like most women don't want to stay in a comedy condo on like you know, sleep on a couch or like sleep in a bed that has like sand in it because this is the deal. Like this is you know what I mean? like, yeah, it's just like it can be rough. And, and you also are kind of like, if you pursue comedy in a city like LA or New York, like things are a little different now, but like New York, like you're kind of expected slash obligated to be doing mics from again, whenever that day job ends to like easily kind of midnight, like you have to kind of, you know, you're getting home late every night. Cause that's when the mics are there at night and you kind of have to be doing as many as you can, especially in the beginning to just like cut your chops or what, what's the word called? Just like, you know, cut your teeth. Yeah. yeah. Cut your teeth. Find your stage chops. Like for some people it's getting comfortable on stage for others. It's figuring out their writing for other people. It's like finding their brand or like, okay, I, I do well. Like I'm a Jewish person. So Jewish jokes work for me. Great. Okay. Leaning into that. Finding out like, what is your shtick? Yeah. I mean, See that I love I'm fascinated by, you know, people's work ethic because they don't realize this. Everybody got 24 hours. We got 24 hours in a day. So they have the same number of hours in a day as Beyonce. Yeah. I read that, in a that. Mug somewhere. But I'm just saying like it's, you know, and then how much you give up on, you know, how much is the sleep? How many, you know, you, there's meals in there. So all that stuff is cutting into your time. A lot of people do work a regular job because their passion isn't paying full time yet. 
So, you know, I like I did an interview with a girl very recently who was like shocked that she didn't get paid to do podcast appearances. Like there's just people's understanding of when they think they should be paid. It like sometimes blows me away. And then there's some people who and like co- comedians who think like they're brand new at comedy. When am I going to start getting paid? And it's like you get paid when you start providing a, a value. Um, but it's hard to assess that on ourselves sometimes. But I'm also somebody who probably worked for free for more years than I should have. So did, did you find it hard? Like, here comes the sexist question. Do you find it like harder as a woman, like early on? Did like people expect you know, Start like jokes from a woman, like did they or or yes was it no, honestly, yes and no. Like, I don't know what it's like to do this as a dude. I don't know what it's like to do this as a black dude. I can't say it would have been easier if I was a different like yeah. color or gender. So I would say it's harder as a woman because the fact that it does cut into your like dating and getting married and having kids time. Like if you truly are serious. But I mean, I'm talking about like being hired. Or like um, that type I don't of... think so. I don't think so. Right, I, okay. I think honestly, what is more of a determination on getting hired for stuff is your currently now your political beliefs and like if you're seen at all as like conservative or on the right at all, which means just or a Trump person, anything, you're like, yeah, oh, anything yeah. not uh like a a huge leftist. Like if you're a little bit away from that, you've kind of you've made yourself less attractive to like a Netflix or a Comedy Central. Like look at what happened to Shane Gillis. He got hired to do SNL as kind of like an everyman representation. You know what I mean? Like he's this like goofy looking guy who's not a liberal, like not a leftist. I mean, he, he may not necessarily even be a Republican or a libertarian. I don't even know where he falls politically, but his vibe was kind of like not leftist. And he was supposedly booked to be some diversity. And then, he, you know, someone canceled him. Someone brought out and there's theories on like, if this was done on purpose, just to generate, you know, juice for SNL. Like, oh, look at us. We uh we fired this guy. But somebody brought out like this old podcast of his where he like said the word chink, like big fucking deal. And then he gets fired from his SNL job before he could even start it. So are there companies though that that might just step up and just or uh, you think that's gonna ever happen? Because like already I, happening. Look at the Daily Wire. Look what's happening right. to them. You know that's true. That's true. You hear, it, I, like, I love you hear, what they're doing I over hear, there. Like Tim Pool talk about wanting to expand in that way as well into like producing. Um, my, the comedy special that I'm filming next month is going to be produced by my friend Aaron Berg, who's starting a whole mm. company of just producing um, albums for people. You know what I mean? So like, see, that's there, what there are. Rebellion is all about, man. We're yeah, rebel against cool. this freaking machine, and that's what we tell people. It's like. We can complain about it till we're blue in the face. So now I think we're past the complaining part. And now we just have to make our own. You know, you saw that with people making their own comic books, people writing their own books. Um, Homeschooling is like skyrocketing right now in this country. Um, And and it's just like you said, like the Daily Wire is doing their own movie production. And it's just people are, you know, and, and it's interesting to see because we're, we're at this place in time where it's just getting started, where it's just like we're we're at the com- you know the 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 com the comments the concrete Precipice? is being is that poured. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The foundation is being the formed. foundation, and it's so now it's like we're gonna see, you know. And then once 
once the money starts pouring in, that's when you get their attention. When it's like, oh, they making a lot of money over there, like doing that. Maybe we should, you know, like make a little, you know, I, I think that's that's going right. to be. And exactly. It's taken. It's it's taking it is going to happen. But the reason why it's taking a little bit longer is because the right or conservatives have really taken their foot off the gas, the gas culturally. I don't even think their foot was ever on the gas. I think conservative slash Republican, anybody who's non leftist, like being an important part of the culture, I don't think has been a value, right? Cause they, oh, Hollywood, man, Hollywood is leftist. Beliefs. Music is all leftist. Um, education is all leftist. So it's like, I think, I think conservatives and, and the right are beginning to be like, no, we have, we can't, we can't just like opt out of these areas of life anymore. Well, that's the thing. Like we're seeing, it's like YouTube has certain things you can say, you can't do. And people were complaining about their system. So now another odyssey has been born where they're going to try to make it, make YouTube, but make it better. And so at least for certain people, and I think we'll start to see that with other social media outlets, but it's like to get anything started to so like a Twitter alternative is going to be very, it, it's doable, but it, it will, it's going to be hard to get. Basically, everyone's just going to have to say I'm done with Twitter if that's what they want, you know, if they wanted an alternative. Uh, I've already yeah, been people are kicked off once it. off Twitter for playing a Wham song uh, with Gina oh Carano's picture on it. So it's yeah. like if they could kick me off, I had twenty three thousand followers at the time. Uh, yeah. They could kick me off for that, which it's so funny. The email came and it was like, "We found a tweet that you broke our guidelines," and I was like, "What tweet?" And it was like eight months ago. I was like, "You dug that far, and now you're like, now you're." Uh, <laughs> that's infuriating i think it's i think people are willing to try new apps like i downloaded getter like i don't go on it but i you know what i mean like i'll i have I it too people will, people will try anything and i think if they get bit like banged or knocked down enough by the legacy social media platforms that people will be willing to look elsewhere and i think it just takes enough people being like hey come on over to here come over to here like i've been hearing about locals for so so long like i have an account over there i just am not active and it's like same thing with odyssey and rumble it's like you just have but it's just another thing it. but but when when youtube and or twitter become intolerable for like regular use and right it's like yeah. we're coming after more and more people so at some point if they don't let up like they will kick enough people off who won't try to come back I just, yeah, at the end of the day, it'll have to, you touch their money <laughs> and that's going to be a big one. You know, that's going to be, that's why it's even hard to talk out, talk against certain things that you disagree with, because if more people listen, you're talking about, all right, that's less people that's going to buy their, True. whatever their, and the thing is, is like, you just and then they're to... like, we got to censor that guy. We got to censor right. him. Uh, I think the answer is to just do all of it as much as you can. And on the platforms that do have a lot of censorship, use them as tools, like be smart about it. You have to go, okay, I have this many followers. Well, I don't want to lose them. So I'm going to, I'm going to curtail myself slightly and, and use it as a lead in. All right. To find more about this, go here and just say enough so that you can explain, you know what I mean? Go to this other platform to hear the uncensored, thing on you know video i did about x y and z 
And that way you're not being unnecessary. You know what I mean? Like know yeah. where to not take unnecessary risk. What's, uh, what's next for you? I'm doing a couple of gigs. Uh, I'm going to Texas next week. I'm going to be at Hyenas in Dallas with Anthony Kumia and Aaron Berg. We're going to do some appearances at the Blaze. I'm excited to take them there. Um, They've never been there on the Blaze, so it feels good to sort of like kind of share that with them, I guess. And then the next big thing is taping this album on January 6th at Governors in Levittown on Long Island. Uh, it's going to be great. I mean, I, I'm going to talk a little bit about being there on the six, but it's also like all of my jokes from the last 10 years and, um, not like it's going to be What's, crazy uh, political or anything. It's just, that's just the, what I'm calling it. Cause do, do you have a big goal for next year? Ooh. Um, if anything for next year, the goal is just going to be like what I'm already doing, but turning it up. So maybe it's nice. more videos, maybe it's more live streams, maybe it's, um it's just like everything i'm doing but more because i'm gonna i'm gonna like make more time and i think i will have more time to do certain things Uh, i'm gonna read a couple super chats and then we'll probably wrap this up i know you're getting ready to go do a show tonight in a few hours uh i'm gonna be in florida jay i'm gonna be in florida in march so i I have a gig in tampa i'm gonna try to line something Mm. up for your neck of the woods Orlando? Yeah, I want to know. Um, I gotta look into what's what venues are good in Orlando. I mean, if you can, I'll I'll, I'll definitely see you in Tampa. Maybe you could host something. Aww. That'd be funny. Ain't no one want to see my tired old behind up there. <laughs> but it, I definitely listen. My laugh is contagious. You want someone like me in the stands? I oh, laugh yeah. hard and loud. So it's like. That's just that's just where you know I, I'd definitely be there in Tampa. Uh, I don't know like, how I can. Like my laugh is contagious because it's full of COVID and I'm praying <laughs> drop. Well, Florida's free. Like we we. Oh beat yeah, it. Florida's the best. We beat the best. that. Brightest day for two dollars is Kick J full screen. Christy, really? Two dollars ain't enough, buddy. Sorry. All right. right. Miss Martin Muse is here. Thank you for the 99 cents super sticker. Cecil for two dollars says she's right. Only weird adults go to theme parks. Yeah, like me and Cecil. We go to theme parks like three times a year together, just so you know. I have the video. Like we rode kitty rides and I recorded it and put it up on the careful. (laughs) Careful. Keep your eyes where people can see them. Uh, Matt Decker for $5. Thank you so much for the super chat says I've come here to chew bubblegum and cancel people. And I'm all out of money for bubblegum. Let's all take a trip on the intergalactic star cruiser. Only if I get to go for free, will I go on that thing? Patrick for five says, Jerry, you're going to convert Chrissy on her amusement park hatred. No, I'd have to do that in person. have to do that in person. And, uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Paul for five, Mark Ruffalo, please don't follow me on Twitter. You're cringe. After the weekend with a $2 thumbs up, Motiverse uh, says, Chrissy roast me. And I look like somebody sent $5 um, that said something about Chrissy, but I don't see it on my normal super sticker, super chat. So I'm sorry if I missed that. Um, Cecil says for $2, I'll be there on the 6th. Fly up, yes. Jay. Crash with me. Yes. On the 6th of what? January. On, my I album. Know, but... My album recording. Come out. Yeah, Crash with Cecil. He lives. Where's in- that at? He it's on Long Island, but I'm not gonna. I don't know. If okay, okay, okay. About where he lives, but he doesn't live too too far. 
So that would be dope. All right, I'll text you. I'll work that out. Like, that would be kind of cool. I'd be freezing, man. Listen, if it's 70 degrees, do, I'm freezing. You could do, if you come out the third or, if you, you know, on a Monday, either side of it, you could come do my show, The Wet Spot on Compound Media in studio. A real studio. That'd be kind of cool. That'd be kind of cool. That's a fun spot. Well, I want to, I want to thank our guests. Please don't go anywhere, Chrissy. I'm going to hit the uh, outro. And uh, if you want more of the conversation, think about becoming a channel member or a Patreon. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Thanks for the likes, the super chats, for the love. If you want to follow Chrissy, it's in the description below. Check her out, please. She's an awesome guest. I hope she'll come back one oh, day. Yeah. It's not super, super busy. Until next time. Thanks for listening. We hope you were inspired today. To hear more of the conversation, check out our Patreon or become a member of the channel. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it. We'll catch you in the next episode. And welcome to the rebellion.